So we should now establish sati with the breath or with buddho. Whatever meditation object we choose, we should try to put down our doubt in that object. Each and every object is a skillful means, an upaya, aimed at making the citta peaceful. The breath going in and out, as we follow this, this can bring the mind to calm. Or as we follow the breath, also reciting the meditation word buto, boot on the in-breath and do on the out-breath. Or we may let go of the breath completely and simply recite the meditation word buto. Whatever method we choose, the goal is to bring all thought to one object and not to let the mind chase after anything outside. By looking at or bringing attention to Budo, we are developing Buddhanusati, mindfulness of the Buddha. Uh, when we bring our awareness to the breath, we are developing Anapanasati, mindfulness of breathing. Whenever the mind is brought to one object, it is not thinking of the past or the present. It is simply remaining with the one thing that we've des designated as its main goal in that time. For example, we may think of the good that we've done in this day what things we've come and offered at the monastery. And this is Chaganusati, mindfulness of giving and recollection of our giving and our generosity. These six different recollections, that of the triple gem, Buddhanusati, Dhammanusati, and Sanganusati, mindfulness of breathing, Anapanasati, Mindfulness of generosity, Chiganusati, and mindfulness of angelic beings, or Devanusati, form a set of contemplations that the Buddha recommended. Perhaps we are one of great faith and might bring our mind to repeat the epitaph of the Buddha, Itipiso Bhagawa. And through doing this, we recollect the powerful and good qualities of the Buddha. Whatever chant we may bring our mind to that brings the citta to quiet, this is worthy of being a meditation object because it calms the mind. There was a monk, a famous enlightened teacher who expanded on this traditional meditation object. Instead of reciting simply Budo Budo, he recited the full phrase Budang Saranam Gachami, Damang Saranam Gachami, Sangang Saranam Gachami, which means I go to refuge in the Buddha, I go for refuge in the Dhamma, I go to, for refuge in the Sangha. We may expand Budo to a lengthy meditation objects such as this or something a bit more 
more simple, such as simply Buddha Bhagavad, the Buddha, the Blessed One. Whatever we do, the goal is to calm the chitta. And this long meditation object served this one monk very well, bringing his mind to a state of deep calm and ushering him into the highest states of realization. It's the mind's nature to go this way and that. And so it is important that we bring the mind to its object, inhaling on boot and exhaling on dough. Or reciting the word Budo with the alternating feet as we walk meditation, boot with the left and right with the dough or something of that nature. We might ask whether it is most important for us to develop a tranquility or an insight in meditation, samatha or vipassana. But we need both. We need from calm to contemplate the arising and falling of phenomena. But for such wisdom to arise, we also need a degree of calm. Only with such samadhi can we hope to uproot the three fetters of sakayaditi, self-view, wichigicha, doubt, and the third as well. Um, and without samadhi, there is no hope of doing this. When we have a small amount of samadhi, we may label it kanaka or momentary concentration. And in such a level of samadhi, we will be forced to continue to put forth effort with our meditation object and mantra. But after many months, we will experience pity and sukha. We will begin to feel tears run down our eye, uh, down our face, or perhaps might have the sensation of our body growing until it feels, fills the whole sala, or our being shoot up through the roof, or our hands or feet disappear, the body becoming light and at ease. Whatever strange sensations manifest as symptoms of rapture, this is the benefits of the practice and of prolonged and dedicated uh, cultivation of a meditation object towards calm. Keeping good morality or sila helps lay the foundation for such practice. It quiets our speech and action, which in turn leads to samadhi. The chitta finds security and becomes a truly human chitta, a truly human mind and heart by keeping the five precepts. The five precepts in this foundation serve as a foundation for samadhi. We are extremely lucky to have inherited and been born in a human body. And so we should not be careless, but rather protect these five precepts as they are the essential roots of our human rebirth.
Once the chitta has been quiet for a time in samadhi, it is natural that it will begin to move and proliferate. When this natural movement begins, we bring it to contemplate this form, rupa, this body, as anicca, anatta, and dukkha, impermanent, not self, and suffering. And this is what the Buddha taught his disciples during the time that he lived and through his teaching, the disciples that have lived with us up till now, up to the present day. Many, and if not all of these, saw the Dhamma through seeing the body as not self, seeing form and name, name and form, as not being worthy of attaching to as a self. We can contemplate towards this understanding by considering the growth and decay of this human form, how it grew through childhood into adulthood and has changed constantly, how birth comes as a companion with death, and how decay accompanies always growth. When the chitta is calm, it can see like this. As the calm mind experiences the six ayatana or sense bases, it does not do as the chitta usually does with those six sense bases, namely attaching to each impression as self, as me or as mine. The calm chitta remains detached and cool and allows wisdom to arise. This is what the Buddha taught us to practice like in all of his wisdom. So we lay the foundations for such practice through giving, through morality. In such a way, we give up the self in a very concrete way by giving material possessions. It's as if we're teaching a child. When that child is unattended, it may fall in water and drown. It may touch fire and become burnt. And similarly, the uninstructed and untrained chitta leans towards aversion and greed. However, we can teach it to not get lost in these states. Rather, we bring it to samadhi, just as the Buddha did on the night of his enlightenment, moving through all four jhanas and then coming out of them and contemplating paticca samuppada, dependent origination. We can contemplate in this way and the kamatana is something, this meditation practice and taking an object is something we do not need to doubt. When skeptical or useless doubt arises, one should see that very state of the mind simply as anicca, anatta, and dukkha as well. Not self, inconstant, and suffering. If the skeptical doubt persists, we may think or bring to mind the Buddha himself and brighten the mind in that way. Once 
the mind has been brought to a level of calm, we contemplate the body as suffering. And however much calm we have, this is how much calm we use in that contemplation. What tools we have available, we make use of. So once again, we lay the foundations by keeping the five precepts, the eight precepts when we can, at least once a month on the Uposa today. And uh, if we keep the eight precepts on every Uposa today, then that is even better. We practice as the Buddha did, as his disciples did. For example, the disciple Yasa, a rich layman in the time of the Buddha, saw clearly that all the possessions he owned externally could not make him calm or happy. And so he left his home and entourage in search of some place that had a measure of peace. The Buddha, sensing his intention, called to him, saying, this place is not restless, not chaotic, but peaceful, and proceeded to teach him the graduated teaching, instructing him in the drawbacks of sensual pleasures, and eventually ushering him towards stream entry in his first vision of Dhamma. As Buddhists, we have the same path available to us. We can cultivate dana, sila, and bhavana. We can cultivate the eightfold path. We can keep the five precepts and the eight when possible. No matter how much wealth we have, whether little or a lot, nothing can compare to the inner wealth of the five precepts because these five precepts can lead to genuine peace and well-being. Longpur Cha Cha taught us to practice like this, to not get lost and drunk on the various mental impressions that come to us, but to practice giving, to practice all aspects of the path. For example, coming here today and giving material wealth, helping build these buildings in the monastery, it's extremely powerful merit and lasts for a long time, for many lifetimes, in fact. And by build, creating such causes through dana, through sila, through bhavana, we come to fill out our spiritual strengths just as Yasa did to the point where when he listened to the Buddha, even for the first time, he was able to see Dhamma. And as we practice, we are also bringing our own spiritual perfections to such a state. His progression assisted those around him as well. His mother and father, who loved him a great deal, followed him to refuge in the Buddha. And our own practice will benefit those around us as well. We can maintain it even in the midst of many duties by keeping Budo in mind or whatever our kamatana 
a meditation object is. Just as this sala is a place of refuge for the body from wind and rain, so the chitta requires refuge as well. And Longpur Cha would frequently ask this, where is your mind's refuge, do you know? And we see that the self and the mind, when uninstructed and unwise, attaches to all impressions and that come into the mind and experiences no peace, but rather just proliferation. And so the Buddha taught us to let go of self by giving, by bringing into the heart a goodness and purity. And this is boon, this is punya, merit. The citta imbued with such merit and purity and goodness is naturally imbued with the four Brahma Viharas. And once it is given, it experiences peace. The recipient will care and feel affection for the one that gave. And the goodness itself goes nowhere. Rather, it rests and is retained in the heart. And because giving brings so many benefits, the Buddha taught us constantly to give. He also taught us to hold this morality, to follow the Buddha's disciples. Even if we're not rich, this sila, this possession of noble virtue in the heart is more important than all possessions in the world because it gives us happiness and peace. The Buddha was enlightened under the Bodhi tree because he laid these foundations, because he applied his mind to a meditation object. For him, mindfulness of breathing, moving out into the four jhanas, out of them, and then contemplating dependent origination. He did not teach us to pursue Vipassana first, but rather served as an example of the fact that one must first pursue a calming meditation object so that the mind has the power to break through into insight. Longpur Cha taught us to cultivate letting go and insight into all things of the world. Whenever a mental impression is coming up, asking ourselves, is this sure? It's not sure, is it? It's changeful. It's uncertain. Whenever a new mental impression came up, saying it's uncertain, or whenever a view arose to tell ourselves it's uncertain, uncertain to teach ourselves like this. And Longpur Cha taught us to put the self down again and again through sila, through giving, through practice, until our mind and hearts had the strength to cut through the three lower fetters and attain awakening. So as Buddhists, we have the path laid out ahead of us. It is just up for us for us to follow. And I wish all those present may apply themselves sincerely to this path.